Hello, and welcome to ABS in Mind, the podcast from the staff here at DebtWire ABS. We'll take you behind the curtains of the asset-backed securities markets and the loans that they help finance. I'm Al Yoon, and I'll be hosting today. Hello, everyone. We're coming up on Labor Day weekend 2020, and which marks about six months since the COVID pandemic started changing everyone's world. Um, there are some markets that are getting back to normal, uh, but one that we follow at DebtWire ABS has a long road to recovery, it seems, and that's commercial real estate, or at least some of the sectors within. Um, looking at just CMBS, uh, we see nearly $42 billion in loans have been transferred to servicers specializing in troubled loans since the 1st of March, which uh, pushes the special servicing total above $50 billion. That's info from uh, Moody's. And to shed some light on that subject today, we have Rob Verone, whose Iron Hound Management has specialized in workouts and restructurings since the last financial crisis. And also Guel de Voyenne, one of our senior reporters charged with following developments in commercial real estate. Welcome to both of you. Hi there. Great. Um, I'm going to let Gwelda run with most of the questions here, since this is her, uh, her area of expertise. But uh, first, Rob, I wonder if you could just sort of give us sort of a, a macro view of what's going on out there. I mean, how bad is it really in commercial real estate these days? Uh, well, thank you for uh, allowing me to talk on this podcast. I think, you know, when you think about commercial real estate, you have to think about different markets and you have to think about different property types. So everything is having more stress today than it did pre-COVID. However, uh, some are really uh, much, much worse, i.e. the hotel space, street-level retail in, in New York City, malls, for example, are just are, you know, on life support. A lot of them may never open up again. Um, office buildings with long-term leases, industrial uh, apartment buildings, they're doing well considering um, everything that's going on. So it's really a tale of two cities, but um, again, the hotel space and the retail space is, is very bad right now. Okay, thank you. Um, Gualda, you wanna go ahead and shoot with your questions? So um, working out alone can take a long time and Rob, you really burnished your reputation during the last crisis when particularly CMBS loans, many of them needed to be worked out following the uh, 2008 crisis. Uh, what types of borrowers are you mostly working with these days and what types of options do they have? So, you know, we typically work with you know, the whole spectrum of borrowers. We represent some of the largest REITs in the United States, some of the largest private equity funds, but we also deal with uh, multi-generational families who have owned real estate for 50, 70 years and have only been in this business. And of course, we have some newcomers who, you know, saw it as a quick way to make some money and are realizing that, you know, things go up and things go down. So I would say that we typically work with all types of sponsors. Um, however, we do spend a lot of time making sure prior to getting engaged on any deal that the sponsor does understand, you know, what's entailed to get a workout done, uh, how the process works. And the most important thing in, in my mind, 
you know, the sponsor needs to have cash because to get a workout done, you typically need money. And, and that money can be reinvested a hundred different ways. But to just walk up to your lender and say, hey, lower my loan amount or cut my interest rate or forgive debt service payments and not bringing anything to the table typically doesn't work. Yeah, you've pointed out in the past that lenders aren't borrowers' friends. Um, they can't call and expect to just get a discounted payoff because there's a pandemic. What can borrowers do to make that negotiation process easier? I don't know if I said they're not their friends. I said they're not their partner, right? Um, mm. the typically, borrowers, you know, they want a lender in good times, and they a lot of times they want a uh, partner in bad times. Listen, you have to put a plan together that respects the fact that the lender has a note and a mortgage and had a cap upside on the deal, right? The best thing that could ever happen to a lender is they get paid back their principal plus their interest. So you have to share in the in the downside more than the lender shares in the downside. Um, or you just walk from your property. But if you want to get a workout, which most lenders, by the way, are especially in the CMBS world, they'll take your property. If you don't want to support it, they'll take the keys. They're prepared to do that. Uh, but if you have a well-thought-out plan, and, you know, we like to think that we help borrowers come up with that plan, you know, you can get a deal done. Yeah, well, you've worked on some thorny loan workouts over the years um, and some massive ones. Uh, but it sounds like you've already resolved some some debt on retail during this cycle. Um, was there a Connecticut outlet center where you negotiated a loan extension and partial payoff? Yeah, there, or there, was, there was a deal. Can you tell us about that? Sure. As, as you could imagine, there was a, there's a lot of stress in the retail space, and this was an outlet center in Connecticut, very good sponsor. Um, unfortunately, tenants were not doing well, were shut down during COVID. Probably a too optimistic business plan was put together when they did the loan. So what we did is we put a plan together where we brought a bunch of new money to the table. For, for every dollar we brought to the table, the lender forgave a certain amount of, of loan amount, and we got a long-term extension, and we got a lower interest rate. And, and it, it was probably the right, it was the right plan for the lender. The lender, uh, the sponsor recommitted a ton of capital, which showed their, uh, you know, their willingness to try to save the asset. And the lender, you know, took a loss, an immediate loss, forgave some debt. So we've also done what I would call a lot of delayed DPOs. You know, you have a property that is worth, Ten dollars today, you owe thirty dollars. You come up with a structure where you have the right to buy the loan out of the trust two or three years later at fifteen dollars, right? But you bring a bunch of cash to the table today to stabilize the rent roll, sign some leases, and you know hopefully create some value. Are low interest rates at the moment helping in negotiations? Um, that must they must make defeasance almost impossible, which would have been an option in the past. Well, defeasance would require par payoff. So, right. so uh, if if a loan is 
impaired defeasance isn't usually an option because no one's paying. They're not paying off the par, let alone the, the field maintenance premium. But uh, interest rates are low. If, if your property doesn't work at a 3% interest rate, it's not going to work at a 2% interest rate. It's got a material problem, and interest rates aren't going to solve it. Time can solve it, and uh, you know, forgiveness of debt or subordination of debt can solve it, but just lowering the interest rate typically does not solve it. That makes sense. One aspect of negotiating CMBS workouts that everyone seems to dread is negotiating with special servicers. Um, I think you've been critical of special servicing as an industry kind of in the past. Um, how is their behavior this go-round, and how could they be better? You know, I, I don't think it's – I don't know if I've been critical. Special servicers live in a world where everything takes forever. And unfortunately, that's just how the CMBS business is set up. There's benefits and burdens to CMBS. The benefits are higher loan amount, IO, lower coupon, non-recourse. The burdens are you have a lot of different parties that the special servicer has to make sure, um, you know, their their requirements and their needs are met. So the process just takes forever. Our average workout over the last 12 years is probably around 11 months start to finish. We've done as some as quickly as two months, and we've done some that have taken three years. But it's probably 10 or 11 months. And I don't think borrowers understand that when they get a CMBS loan. You know, when you buy a building, I want to buy something for $10. You want to sell something for 16 I go to 11, you go to 15, I go to 12, you go to 14, we shake hands at 13, we close and we have a closing dinner. That does not happen in a workout. Uh, in a workout, you're at 16, I'm at 10, I go to 11, you go to 18, I go to 12, you go to 15, you know, I may go back down. It just takes a long time to get to a, a resolution. There is part of some of the people that do run the special servicing shops come from a world where all they've done is workouts and they don't realize that there are a lot of deals uh, in the world that get done, that can get done quicker. You know, I always use the example with special servicers that uh, Blackstone bought $30 billion of loans from GE in 30 days. Right? Not everything needs to take 12 months, but they're getting, they're trying, they're getting faster when they can. Is there a way that things could change that it would incentivize them to be faster, or do you think that the incentive structure should change? Um, because some have argued that, you know, if they just want fees, then the loan might as well sit in special servicing for years and years. Yeah, I think that was more of a CMBS 1.0. That's less of the argument in CMBS 2.0. You know, they've changed some of the way special servicers are compensated and they cap fees. So it's, they're a little more incentivized to get a deal done quicker. I just think there is a process in a special servicing world. The loan has to go from the master servicer to the special servicer. The special servicer has to assign an asset manager. Uh, that asset manager probably at the time the loan gets over to the special servicer knows nothing about the asset, zero. May 
basically only know the address. They have to negotiate a pre-negotiation agreement. They have to order third-party reports. They got to do broker opinions of values. They have to read the loan docs. Um, that right there is three to four months. So we tell borrowers all the time that, you know, it may be three to four months before you actually have a meaningful discussion. And we can send an offer in within two days, but it'll just sit on the asset manager's desk until they figure out what the asset is worth and what their plan is. And everything I'm talking about right now, I'm not even touching the um, the nuances of the controlling class representative and the actual bondholder who owns the risk and is managing losses and managing kind of their bond position. Right. Um, you would have thought that maybe in CMBS 2.0, borrowers would be a little bit more educated about the complexities of taking on CMBS debt, but I guess that's not been the case. You mentioned People have short-term memories. Yeah, and they like leverage. Um, you mentioned the broker opinion of value. It, is COVID and the sort of onslaught of loans getting transferred to special um, making those sort of uh, endemic delays even longer? I mean, are people having trouble sure. traveling to assets because of lockdowns and things like that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've had, uh, we've had deals where appraisers couldn't get to properties. We've had deals where brokers couldn't get to the property. And, you know, they're not in the office. They're working remotely. They can't get information back or forth. The printers aren't working. The whole... You know, the cat, the, the dog ate my homework. I mean, there's all sorts of delays which have occurred because of COVID. Um, there's also just delays in special servicers not ordering appraisals because they don't want to solidify the loss. Right? CMBS 2.0, when that appraisal is ordered, and if it's significantly below the loan amount, there's write-downs that have to happen which can switch servicing from group A to group B. So there's a little bit of game and gamesmanship that happens in terms of ordering appraisals. That makes sense. Speaking of, there's a lawsuit that's, uh, that was just appealed a few weeks ago, I think, um, where the plaintiff, a special servicer, is supposedly kind of arguing that CMBS debt is effectively recourse debt. Um, and I don't know where that case will go, but um, is it on your radar? And do you do you have a sense that that would dissuade borrowers from taking CMBS debt in the future? That 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 conversation has even taking place. I mean, it's 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 been going on forever. I don't I know nothing about that lawsuit. I apologize. However, in every negotiation, the lender, whether it's a balance sheet loan or especially service loan, is going to look for places that they can get leverage. And if there are aids made by the guarantor, which, which trips the non-recourse carve-outs, and the lender thinks non-recourse loan should be a recourse loan, then they'll, they'll explore it. We've had it happen numerous times over the last 10 years. It typically doesn't go anywhere. It's usually just a means to get additional concessions out of the borrower. 
for a lot of CMBS loans, people are signing on the dotted line, you know, with their real name. Um, so could they even possibly be held personally accountable for no. recourse debt? So CMBS loans, typically no one ever signs a CMBS loan with their real name, right? They typically sign with a borrowing entity, a single purpose entity. They sign the non-recourse carve-outs, the bad boy provisions with their real name. But again, in, in all the deals that we've worked on and in the majority of the CMBS defaults that have happened since the Great Recession, very, very few non-recourse loans became recourse loans. I mean, I could think mm -hmm. of two or three of them. I mean, it's really, it, you have to have a real strong case to take a non-recourse loan and make it a recourse loan. And then you have to assume that the guarantor actually has assets that you can chase, right? So if I have Joe Smith as my guarantor and he's broke, who cares if it's a recourse loan? I'm not going to get anything from him. Right? Then I have to get right. a judgment, then I have to sue, and that's another 12 to 18 months. Um, do you think that CMBS lending will change going forward because of COVID-19? There's been talk that interest-only loans are possibly a thing of the past. Um, we saw a huge agented CMBS loan recently for one Manhattan West. Do you, do you think there might be more agented loans? Well, I could argue, and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, the entire CMBS business is an agency business. Every lender in the world takes a loan under application in the CMBS world. And prior to closing, they've had discussions with the BP buyers and with the rating agencies and with their internal rating agency people. And if they don't feel like they can sell that loan, they don't, uh, they don't honor the application that they submitted. So, and anyone who tells you, um, anyone who tells you differently is, is probably not telling you the truth. However, uh, there's always changes in CMBS and these people are smart people and they will look at what worked and what didn't work during COVID and where they made mistakes in their underwriting and where they didn't make mistakes and they'll, they'll modify it. And they'll get some things right and they'll get some things wrong. And the big assets are, you know, are, are there's been a ton of single asset, single borrowers deals that have been agent and deals over the years. It's nothing new. But in times like this, it's it's the best outcome usually for the borrower to have an agency, agency deal. That makes sense. Do you have any opinions on the quote unquote new big short, the CMBX six short, where the um, investors like Carl Icahn have have made billions apparently from shorting the synthetic um, that is related to mall distress. Um, some kind of, I guess, CMBS insiders feel like it's a little bit overhyped. Where do you fall? I've read the articles. I don't have a strong opinion. I don't, I don't know the math well enough to know if if those retail assets and those in CMBS six, you know, all default. How bad the index price will go. Um, a lot of smart people are taking bets on both sides of the trade, so it's fun to watch. All I know yeah. is that I really never, I really never used Amazon that much prior to COVID, and I actually like it a lot now. So that tells me something about retail. Speaking of fun to watch, what's going to happen with WeWork? You know, 
I think WeWork is going to, uh, you know, they're going to figure out how WeWork two looks. They'll figure out a way to renegotiate a bunch of leases, walk away from a bunch of leases, and and the ones that make sense, they'll do well. So I, I mean, I think it's, I think everyone hopes, no one wants to see WeWork fail. I think people are going to uh, still use WeWork, um, WeWork office space and. They just have to right-size some of their obligations. I hope it does well. Will they be getting a CMBS loan anytime soon? You mean, will a, will a borrower get a CMBS loan where we work as a tenant? Let's uh, say we work as, like, 40% or more of the space. Yeah, I guess that would be tough. It would all depend on the rent and the credit enhancement, you know, how much of a security deposit was paid or not paid, who's on the hook for the uh, for the lease payments. Uh, I would never say never. What's the leverage of the building? Is it a 50% levered building or is it an 80% levered building? I don't know. I like never to say never, never say never. Yeah, that seems like the motto in general with CMBS, and you would know. CMBS market has short-term memories. Agreed. We work could come back stronger than ever, and if they do, people will finance it. Uh, Rob, this is Al again. Um, so that actually is a good segue. I just wanted to bring you back to a more macro question before we close it up here. And uh, New York City office space. Uh, you know, our company has an office there. You are in Midtown. Um, what's your general thought in terms of uh, you know? the value of office space uh, uh, coming back or, um, or, or not, you know, as, uh, as companies uh, sort of retool what, uh, what their needs are? I'm, I'm a big uh, long-term always bull on New York City. So I, I think people will get bored from working from home. I think bosses will get frustrated with, employees, you know, not in the office. Uh, I don't think long-term it's as productive. And I think people will be back to their office space once they figure out this whole COVID mess. I think long-term New York City is going to be fine, as will London and all the other big cities. Okay. And if uh, somebody has a, a big office loan in New York that needs a workout right now, I mean, you know, is uh, is – you know, they always say, people would say hope is not a strategy. I mean, what what's happening with those workouts at the moment? Again, if you, it, it all depends when you say needs a big workout. What What is the issue? Was the, was the property impaired prior to COVID? If, if that's the case, then there's a, something wrong with that loan and something was wrong with that property. And that's a long-term problem that has to be fixed. If the property was doing great pre-COVID and now it's not doing well, then that's a COVID issue, and that's a little harder, right? No one really wants mm -hmm. to make a decision and help a borrower out permanently for something that may be only a temporary issue. So that's a little bit – you have to really understand the issue and, and understand why the property is impaired before I could truly answer that. Okay. 
Okay, great. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have uh, for today. Um, but I wanted to thank uh, you, Rob, for joining us and Gualda for uh, taking the reins on the questioning here. Um, always good to hear from you both. And, uh, um, you know, maybe uh, in another six months' time, things will look very different and we'll all get on the horn again. Okay, thanks, you guys. You, I hope you, so. You got it, guys. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thanks for listening to ABS in Mind. If you're hungry for the skinny on asset-backed bonds, residential and commercial mortgage debt, consider DebtWire.com or just tune in here next time. Also look to us on social media.